You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. I'm Rusty and with me here is Andrew. How you going, Andrew? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Rusty. Excellent. And over there is Greg. How you doing, Greg? Yeah, good. Thanks, Rusty. Fantastic. So uh, here we are. Now, we went shooting on the weekend, which we probably should talk about. We went out and had a bit of a play at one of the long-range properties we uh, we have we shoot on. Did you guys enjoy it? Yeah, it was oh. a really good day, I thought. Yeah, certainly. And... and um the actual range, and I'll let I'll let Sam describe it. It's uh, unique in terms of uh, other places we've been to, in terms of luxury. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty good. You've uh, your shooting position is about two meters from uh, the front door, and you can head straight in the front door into the aircon and uh, grab yourself a coffee or tea or coke or whatever, and uh, sit down for a while, and then head back out there and have another shot. Not 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 too bad, not too bad at all. Yeah, absolutely. And shoot out to uh, over a mile from the back door there. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, I didn't think that was going to happen, but it did. It was fantastic. So, uh, how far did you get out to, Greg? For you? Um, well, I, I actually wasn't really, you know, doing I guess long range shooting as like the other guys were doing. I was mainly just there to um, get my drops right for. Um, my 243 and my 223 for a shooting trip coming up. So I did shoot the 243 out to 748 um, for uh, the 87 grain VMAXs. So I was pretty happy with that. Got some drops. And the 223, I think I went out just to 388. So that was just to basically uh, calibrate my ballistic computer. Yep. So I achieved what I wanted to achieve. Um, I didn't get my 308 out, but I think we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show in terms of uh, I'm not very happy with that at the moment. So um, Okay. Yeah, but no, it was an excellent day and I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. Fantastic. Did you enjoy it, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're a wind, wind caller extraordinaire. Yeah, well, we kind of needed to. What were we, about 15, 20 mile an hour winds in the end there? But no, it was good. It was good to see um, some of those guys, you know, sort of put the uh, what they've been learning into practice and... Yeah, I think they all really got on. Well, we had 16, yeah. 65 meters, and I think all the guys got onto it. So yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it was good fun. And, and so just to clarify that for those listening, so it was a sort of a, a Southern Shooters day out with a bunch of guys who would come out with training courses, and it was a chance for them just to stretch the legs and have a bit of fun and get to know each other better. So I um I had my two sixty there, and that was doing really well out to about thousand, but. Just couldn't couldn't quite get it there at the sixteen sixty five, so that's the challenge for the next time, I guess. Hmm. I wasn't I wasn't overly comfortable to be honest. The I I didn't take my bipod with me, and so I just wasn't able to load up the uh, the the rest as I normally would with a bipod. And and it's yeah, you know, the, the gun may not be able to do it, but I I just didn't. I want to have another crack at it. To be fair, I want to have another crack. Hmm. So next next time I'll take it with me again. Give it a go. See how we go, but uh, tell you what, it, the way it shoots at twelve hundred, I'm pretty happy with it anyway. So yeah, no, no complaints. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, we'll put up on the um, on Facebook or on the the web page. Greg, you took a you had a fancy camera with you. Yes, yes. Um, I had a. I just bought a camera. I've been spending a bit of money lately. Cashed um, up. Yeah, cashed I, up. Uh, the wife doesn't know yet, so <laughs> she will hopefully, now. Hopefully, she, she doesn't not, hear the show. She's not going to listen to this. Um, 
I, I told her it was for family photos, um, yep. but little does she know it's also from, got from a 60 times optical zoom that just happens to suit long range shooting and uh, hunting other, videos. Other people's families. You're going to be <laughs> photoing, taking photos of other people's families. Yeah, so I, I took that out and um, we, we got out the night before and we actually were, were looking at the craters on the moon with it at one point. So I was pretty impressed with that. Um, uh, and then, yeah, got some good footage uh, of... You know, some, some nice shots at 500 metre target, but I made all sorts of amateur mistakes with a lot of the footage, like yep. working in the digital zoom instead of staying in the optical zoom, so it was all granulated. That would kill it. Yeah. And the wind was vibrating, uh, the, wind was vibrating the, um, the, the tripod a lot, uh, causing issues. So, you know, I'm, I've got my training wheels on, but I, I'm, I'm expecting to get some really good footage that we can we can put up on the mm. on the website for sure. Yeah, the one I saw was out to 500, and you could mm. see the bullet flying through and, and hit. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that one up there. That looked really good. Yeah, that was full path too. You could like, basically see the back of the projectile full path, mm. which uh, especially on full screen high def. Yep. Um, yeah, I was quite surprised by that one. It's good. What caliber was that one? That was two four three. That's two four three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Very good. Well, I don't know if you guys saw. I guess you have because I printed it out and put it in front of us. But I don't know if you'd seen it previously. Um, precision Rifle Blog, which is an excellent website if you're into the uh, precision long range shooting. Yeah. They every year do a bit of a review of the PRS. Um, which is a precision rifle series in the US, and they inter or they they survey the top hundred guys and get the equipment and the um, calibers and all the information that the guys have been using, and and they've released the one about the cartridges that they've been running, and um, it's uh, yeah it's quite interesting to see, particularly because it documents some of the shift over the last few years. Um, it's not necessarily I, I was surprised uh, personally. Um, to give you a quick rundown for those listening who haven't seen it, but we will put a link in the show notes. Um, the the top four, Greg, if you want to read out the top four there uh, for us. Yep, the top four were uh, six point five by forty seven uh, lap, uh, six mil Creedmoor, six point five mil Creedmoor, and six by forty seven lap. So it's all in the six 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 point five mil. Uh, reigning supreme. Um, I, we also notice in the stats, if you can bring them up, uh, 308's pretty much dropped off completely. Um, I don't think there was even a mention of a, no, of there a was, 30 in this year. Yeah, yeah, 2013, they had 2% of the competitors on 30 cows. Yeah, top 50. Mm. There was only 2%, and the last two years, they've had no 30 cows in the top 50. But what's, I mean, what's more... Sort of, I guess, surprising is that there's only six mil and six point five mil in there. Yeah, there's no seven mil. There's there's nothing else in there. Yeah, is, I, uh, I would have thought seven mil would have would have been a contender, but I guess the type of shooting they do, um, the the sixes and six point fives achieve it ballistically, and then also um, it's really really limit the recoil and the yeah you know, a few other factors, I guess. Yeah, and I guess when you when you target shooting and and you don't need that. That energy at target, you could probably go for something a bit lighter and quicker. That, that's right. You don't need to kill the target. You just need to hit it you just in need these to competitions. It. So yeah. Mm. No, I was, I was really surprised to not see a, a thirty in there. I would have thought maybe something like a three hundred wind mag. I mean, but uh, no, it's obviously well. Looking at it there, I mean, 
Yeah, that's we got, the, here's that's the top one hundred. We've got the top one hundred up in front of us now. So there's the six Creedmoor. Well, in in the six mills, there's the Creedmoor, the forty seven Lapier, the Dasher, the Super LR, six uh, XC, and the two four three with uh, one appearance. And the six point fives again, the Lapier, the Creedmoor, the two sixty Rem, and six point five by fifty five improved, which I thought was a little bit different. Yeah, you you will note there though, Rusty. It is only one. One competitor, so it's obviously I would, I would presume a, a very competent shooter who happens to just like the round. But I, I think you'd probably find that if you look at the ballistics of all those cartridges, they'd be pretty similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, similar size and weight projectiles going similar speeds. I would think. Yeah, I guess if, in that type of thing, it's uh, you know ballistically is or ballistics. Um, External ballistics is more important than your terminal uh, terminal ballistics, as Greg mentioned. And so, yeah, you go with something fairly light, fairly easy to shoot, um, and something that actually feeds out of a magazine, which yeah, would be important. Incredibly high BC. Mm. Mm. So, the, Greg, you uh, you this actually got you thinking, didn't it? This article. Yeah, it did. Um, I've I've got a a Remy seven hundred SPS varmint. Uh, with a factory barrel on it, and I, I, I enjoy shooting it. It's a good platform, um, and I'll, I've put a fair bit of effort into it. But um, and I probably haven't got the results I was looking for from it. Um, and and you know, just reading these articles, you know, I've tried a lot of projectiles. Probably the biggest problem I've got with it is there's this monstrous jump to the lands that that I'm struggling to get consistency out of the rifle. But um, this this article has sort of prompted me to go, well, if I'm going to take the barrel off and do anything to it, why don't I look at putting a new barrel on it and go to a match barrel rather than the factory barrel? And then secondary to that, I'm going, well, what's a good process to go through to to understand, well, what is the projectile? And, and um, you know, certainly talking to Andrew on the weekend, he's saying, you know, quite often you should try to... Identify the projectile that suits your need, and then order the barrel to suit that projectile, and and that made a lot of sense to me. Um, so I guess I'm just going to start on the uh, the journey, if you like, of of doing some analysis around some of these projectiles, um, making a bar- a barrel choice, and I'm and um, actually order the correct barrel. Um, and go just through the whole process and do some testing at the end and hopefully end up with a rifle that suits my needs in terms of, of basically just shooting gongs out at sort of 1K to 1.2Ks is all, all sort of what I'm looking at at the moment. So, I guess that's the important part, isn't it, to really establish what you're wanting to achieve and then working back from there. So if you're, you're, um, your, your aim is to be shooting, yeah, the... Just over a thousand, just a bit yeah, beyond, and, and that's it. You know, knowing knowing what you want to do is is important to work out how you want to measure what is a good projectile and what is not a good projectile for what you want to do. So, I'd probably say I'm looking at trying to be consistent at a K, um, and maybe push out as far as one point five. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's that's just as as things progress. But at the moment, I'm targeting one K uh, gun. Uh, and what about shy of that? Because you, well, knowing you, you're probably not just going to sit there at one one thousand all day long. No, you've got an application in between there as well. Um, well, obviously, you know, I, being a new caliber, I'd work my way out to there. 
Um, but I think you have to you have to pick that optimum or ideal scenario that you want to try to achieve. Otherwise, you may select the incorrect projectile. I think if I if I choose a distance at six hundred, I'm going to get very different uh, results, which we'll talk about later. How we might do that analysis, um, I might get very different projectile choice for an ideal fit than I would at a thousand. So I'll probably want to pick the thousand, drop back, and just work my way through to a thousand. Mm, I mean, I, I don't know whether you guys have seen it, but um, one of Todd Hodnett's videos, um, the Accuracy First guys, they um, he he talks about basically you pick the projectile and you pick it on what you want it to do. You know, you, it's obviously got to get there as as quickly as it can, with, you know, least wind resistance. And if you're hunting, it's got to perform terminally. But if you're not hunting, it's you've got you don't have that consideration. But he said you pick the projectile and then you work you away from there and you pick the cartridge that's going to do that yep. um, and then you you basically build up from there you build the rifle from there rather than going I'm going to build a rifle in whatever caliber and then I'm going to work out what I'm going to do from there it's it's more about you starting with what's actually flying through the air and then you work back from there well I guess if you if you look at it that way you're, you're starting with whatever target you're hitting so what are you going to hit it with and then you take that mm. back and how do you deliver that to the target mm. and go from, from there, including your scope as well. I guess you got to buy your scope to be able to set up to, to do that. We had one guy on the weekend who um, had a gun that would, would take it out to a mile, but he just he kept he ran out of elevation. He almost ran out of uh, magnification. Well, he yeah. ran out of reticle hold if he didn't back his magnification off. Yeah, definitely scopes is one mm. of those those bigger limiting factors that can slow you down you can have a great rifle and a great barrel mm. but yeah if you don't like you say if you don't have the adjustment you're just not going to get out there mm. well you know we've seen you know several times you know sam on the courses the, the guys rock up with their whatever the scope might be including high-end stuff and yep and they find that once they step out to sometimes even seven eight hundred yards yeah thousand they, they can't adjust anymore mm. and so it becomes really a matter of kind of guessing where they're going to have to hold it rather than precisely dialing and uh yeah, it's it makes it harder. Yeah, it's so a critical yeah. point. Yeah, you know, critical part of the. I know there was a couple of guys on the weekend doing. They had their turret fully wound out, and they were doing uh, magnification holdover. So they started with twenty times, still not enough. They went down to ten times to double up their um, yeah their reticule. Yeah, so they yeah. they were really reaching out. Not. But anyway, I've, I've managed to get us off topic uh, pretty easily there. Um, so back, I guess I guess we're talking about the process you're going through to decide on what, mm. what you're going to end up with. And scopes are a part of that, but that you've got to work out prior to that, we think, what, what cartridge you're going to be running. And, and as part of that, we're, we're talking about whether or not you choose your projectile first. Yeah, so probably I've been doing a bit of reading and... Uh, uh, there's a good book out there that uh, if, if people don't know about it, it's um, uh, a Brian Litt's book, Applied Ballistics for Long Range Shooting. And, um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the internet. And uh, certainly uh, for me, buying a, a decent book uh, and, and getting in there um, has certainly cleared up a lot of things in my mind. But anyway, uh, I was in reading that book and he was talking about dead space as a way to measure one caliber against another or one projectile against another. So, so what is dead space? Um, dead space, and, and sorry, this is my words, not his. I'd, I'd, I'd wish I had his words. Um, but it, it's basically um, 
let's say you've got a six-inch target at a K. Dead space is basically the distance that the the projectile travels from the time it reaches the top of that target uh, in height through the middle of it at a thousand, and then drops to three, you know, the three inches below uh, past the target, and that whole distance is um, called dead space. And obviously, the longer that distance is, um, the less sensitive that caliber is to variations such as incorrect ranging. Um, you always get inconsistent muzzle velocity. You strive to reduce it, but you always get it. So therefore, you're not as sensitive to that. Um, and, and other variables that are sort of out of your control, and, and I don't know whether you guys want to mention a few more, but certainly the larger the dead space for that range, for that caliber, the more suited it is Basically, to that task. It, it reduces, well, it, it gives you more margin for error, effectively. Exactly, exactly. Um, I guess that's what we're, we're always trying to achieve, isn't it? That's why you try and go for a higher BC bullet, you're trying to reduce your margin for error. Yeah, exactly. With the the dead space comparison you're talking about, Greg, that's probably that's probably better once you've you've chosen a couple of op contenders. Is that yeah? So what you'd need, or what I need to collect together, is is some real world um, load data, basically in terms of uh, the projectile uh, used, uh, the ballistic coefficient, preferably a G7 if I can get it. Um, it's muzzle velocity. Yep. With those things, I can calculate that for okay. for my gun. You know, if it was fired out of my gun at that muzzle velocity. So back to I guess caliber first. Mm. What are you edging towards for your your purpose? Yeah. So what what took my attention the most is basically based on that um, precision rifle blog that we talked about earlier in terms of the Creedmoors, the six and six and a halves. Yep. I thought, well, if this is the fav favoured projectile. I'll go for that, and I was about to just jump, like without any sort of analysis <laughs> as, or anything. And as I we've thought, all done, plenty no, of times. I'll, I'll stand back on this one and and just sort of start doing some numbers and some comparisons and and measure these calibers or, or projectile performances in a in a meaningful way against each other. Um, so that's what I'm going to do first, and okay, and I'll I'll go by what the results give. Mm -hmm. So. Obviously, I'm restricted to a short action um, oh, rifle because it's three hundred eight. Yep. yep. So I've got to stick in that short action uh, right span. How? What about feeding? Because that's going to be another clarification. Yeah, well, well, currently I'm, I'm It's internal mag. Uh, it is quite short. Yep. I, um, however, the current barrel is has a very large jump to the land. So hopefully, when I rebarrel this thing. Uh, I can sort of get that down, and I don't know whether Andrew, you got any comments on that? Whether typically you can get that—is it headspace correct to help with? No, it's not uh, not so much headspace, Greg, but it's more. Um, I think particularly these these cartridges that were, you know, the ones that were being used, you know, sort of almost exclusively at the top end of the you know, competitive shooting. They they have to use magazines, so everything's magazine fed, and, and they need that ability to to to, foot, to shoot rapidly. So with that as a as a fairly critical consideration, they need to have a cartridge that will fit in the mag and be able to use a, a ballistically efficient projectile. 
And if you go with something that's the length of a 308 or a 260 or whatever, 243 length sort of cartridge, it really limits that that room you've got in the magazine. So you then either have to seat your projectiles really deeply in the case or you have projectiles that aren't very long. So I think you know they've, they've chosen a shorter cartridge. So the shorter cartridges are often more efficient in the way they burn the powder as well. But what they'd also be doing is they're matching the throat on their rifle and their barrel to to the projectile they're using so they go i've got 2.8 inches or whatever it might be to, to seat a maximum length of the magazine so they'll they'll base whatever projectile they want to use they'll seat it to that length and then work out how long they need to cut the throat in that barrel to achieve that they're not i mean a factory barrel almost exclusively factory rifles suffer from that long throat short magazine syndrome um, and that, that's where if you're going down the path you're looking at doing it you mm. you custom tailor it to what you want to do which is really not available in, in a factory gun yeah absolutely um yeah and and you know that's a big consideration because <coughs> excuse me i'd like to do more competitions um so probably mag feeding is is definitely what i need to change to um but yeah, certainly I've got to start that process of identifying that that um, that projectile. I think that's that's probably critical, and that's something I probably need to do before the next show is 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 get together some load data, do those dead space calculations, and I might do those calculations based on a lot of different distances, just so other or so, so our listeners can have a look at that. And if if you know that they mightn't be reaching for a K, they might be reaching for six hundred or eight hundred. They can get some meaningful information out of it. Uh, based on on real calibers and and make uh, an informed decision. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the next step. Um, Are you looking down the six mil six point five mark, or you're you're going to really leave it up to the data, or? Where are you sitting with that? The, the the six and the six and a half has got my attention. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, however, I'm I'm quite happy to bow to the analysis. Okay. Yeah. So, I think um I think the reason that these the six and the six point fives are are as popular as they are for these competitive shooting is is they're they're not concerned about energy. They're not concerned about projectile design as far as terminal performance. So, if all you're trying to do is maximise your your possibility of hitting the target then that's probably the best comp you know for that particular set of circumstances i mean if you were looking at long range shooting on say you know a deer or a large deer or an animal that needed yeah, projectile size then then it opens up a whole another yeah kettle of worms, and, I, so. and i think that's probably a, a key point for the listeners is this is the target shooting application yep. sure yeah yep. so as soon as we go to a hunting projectile and we're looking for either rapid expansion or controlled expansion usually bc suffers Yes. Mm. So they wouldn't stand up well in this scenario, but you could still do the same process. Absolutely. You just yeah. have to pick the projectiles that fit yep. your, um, what would you call it? Application. Your, your, the application that you're assessing. So you'd look at all the hunting rounds or solids and, you know, ballistic tips, whatever suits you need, and do exactly the same thing. So that's probably one thing too is that hopefully at the end of this, the readers have a process in which they can make an informed decision too whether it's hunting hmm. or, or target Well, shooting. I guess that, that comes down to this. One of the very first considerations would be what you want the bullet to do, you know, and that, that's yeah, everything that, based from there. So That is the first part, isn't you know, it? You've yeah. established what you want the what you want this rifle to do, Greg, so it's it's a matter of 
that's sort of taken care of to start with. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's right, Andrew. I you know I often deal with with guys who are looking to buy their next gun and and that sort of thing. And I guess too often guys are trying to get one gun that will solve everything and mm. and be used for all all things. Which you know I understand from a financial point of view or from from a time point of view that that makes sense. So there's no problem there. But I guess the guys probably listening to this and those in the room we're, we're not looking for one gun for, to, to resolve everything we're, we're looking for one gun uh, for a particular purpose and the more i've found anyway for me that the more uh, specific you can be with that purpose the better your firearm will be for that for that yeah. role and if you're in the position where you can have multiple guns and and uh, can afford such a thing um that's excellent because you get really tailored stuff there is some crossover certainly yeah. Um, but the more specific you can be about your your number one goal, it really. Well, I think the less compromise, less compromise you make, um, the better you're going to be. Like these these guys, these top 100 shooters in the in the US competition, they're not compromising at all. They they're setting about to give themselves the the most chance of of winning. Yeah, yeah, and I guess they've got fairly uh, fairly known uh, competitions, fairly known uh, challenges they're going to face, and. Um, while the individual stages themselves may be very uh, unknown and very much surprising when they arrive to it, they've got a fair indication of what they're going to achieve or what they're needing to achieve. Yeah, but it's uh, it was good to see. Hmm. Very good. So what's what's your next step then, Greg? You're going well, to... I'm certainly uh, my intent for the next show is to collect a, 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 a number of projectiles that will fit in that... That will, that will go in a, cal- uh, a case that will fit in a short-action Remy um, and do dead space analysis on those projectiles. And like I said, I'll, I'll put that across lots of distances, not just the K, just to, just to see how it performs as they, as they get further out and if any take over or uh, are, are superseded by other projectiles. But I think it, hopefully it'll be interesting results um, and... and Certainly, the intent is to bring it in to the next show, and uh, we'll talk about those results, and we'll get it up on the website for for the listeners to to look and make their own decisions. But again, like I said, it'll be restricted to Remy short action, it, and the projectiles will be uh, restricted to target projectiles. You'll just I, I I just say take away the process uh, of of doing it, and I'll write all that down so people can run through it themselves. Yeah, I guess um, what what I think will be interesting in this sort of uh, investigation as well will be also, you know, the wind because I mean you might find that uh, certain projectile diameters and and uh, and weights will shoot maybe flatter as far as trajectory, but they might uh, might lack in the wind a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see where the crossover points are between say the six mil and the six point five. I've got to say I haven't I haven't considered the wind drift side. <laughs> Yep. So what, what I might do, I'll start with dead space. Yep, and and we'll see what the standouts are. Maybe we can rank that'll just be on drops. Um, sure. Yeah, and then maybe we can we can reduce it down or, or just do another overlay for drift. We'll just have to. I I'm not quite sure how I would do that, but it'd have to be all calculator based, I guess. On it a would be yeah. ten mile an hour yeah. wind or something. I don't know. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, certainly that side of things pretty linear. So you go with ten and. And that will give you an indication of everything yeah. else. Well, it doesn't yeah. really matter the, the wind speed you use. It's, uh, you know, if you just run the same for all, it doesn't really matter what, yeah. So. I, I have heard on a podcast that if you've got a, a, a pretty strong uh, three o'clock wind, 
that you sometimes get what's called uh, atmospheric jump. You get a small elevation jump from a strong right hand wind. Is have you guys heard about that one? Is that a is that a referring Some, to a crosswind jump? Yeah, yeah, crosswind. So they it's used to model it in in ballistic calculators. So I'm just mm. thinking, will we'll, you don't see it in ballistic calculators anymore? It's it's built in. It's built in. Yeah, so I'm just thinking. Well, anyway, with with applied ballistics, which is what I use, yeah, uh, it is built in there. Yeah. Well, I guess as long as I use the same one, it's it's going to be consistent, isn't it? Yeah, I think as long as you uh, mm. you keep all the parameters the same and just change the you know the actual projectile, yeah, and the velocity that it's going, keep yep. everything else the same. It, it yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because I think uh, personally, like I'd I'd prefer a projectile that was better in the wind than say on elevation. Yeah, because it's, it's wind is the one that's the, the hardest to control. So I mean, you know, I'd, I would probably prefer personally a, a mm. projectile that wasn't as flat shooting. You know, you run some figures, say, you know, for a three hundred eight, for example, you might run a, a big heavy bullet like uh, one of the guys on the weekend was who was shooting the two fifteen grain burger, and uh, you know that thing's not going to be shooting flat, but it'll mm. certainly have a lot less wind drift than something lighter and faster. So you know, it's a good point, and and and. You know, in terms of drops, you know, there's a, there's a lot of elements of drops that are uh, that are measurable, right. whereas wind is very difficult to measure. Um, Absolutely. You know, mm. so yeah, you're right. So, no, we'll, we'll certainly do that wind overlay, and um, and yeah, well, absolutely. And, and then I guess it's just to you know weigh up the the benefits. Yeah, hey. the option that compromises the least. Yep. And sounds cool as well. You have to have a good sounding. The name of the projector, or the name of the round has to sound pretty good. Yeah, we could just no, set about designing no. a new one, maybe. Yeah, that's it. Don't, don't agree. All right, fair enough. Now we've got a question from Troy that has come in. Um, so I thought I'd throw it to you guys. Um, okay, hang on. Let me turn around and look at it. He wants to know. Sorry, I'd got the name wrong. Sorry, Toby. It's Toby, not Troy. Anyway, Toby wants to know, um, he, he heard that you it's more accurate to shoot from a bag than it is from a bipod. What are your thoughts? I think it depends on the technique you're using, Rusty. I, you know, I've seen really accurate shooting from both. And, and I think, like, shooting technique is, um, you know, it's a, there's multiple different ways to, uh, to achieve the result. And I think it's like one of those things that it's consistency is key. Um, I've seen guys shoot off bags inconsistently and get hopeless results mm-hmm. um to me for for field kind of shooting a bipod is certainly the most convenient but also if you if you're consistent in your technique if you're loading your bipod up and that sort of thing um i i wouldn't say that shooting on a bag has any technical advantage personally yeah i um Personally, I, I found I find the bipod because I've done so much shooting behind a bipod now that I find that better to shoot from, particularly with bigger calibers. I certainly find that it's it's easier for me to control the recoil and be um, be more comfortable. But perhaps it's even just a mental thing. I'm more comfortable myself, more confident behind a bipod than I'm a, a rest or a front bag. Yeah, I'm much the same. I just feel I can get a more stable position behind a bipod. I've Probably is because I haven't done much bag shooting, but I, I have found the cheaper um, bipods tend to bounce a bit more. 
um, yeah. be quite unstable. Well, they're not nearly as solid, and I think you know the sort of a, you know absolute necessity for a field shooting bipod is is some some adjustment in it, some pan and S- some, some tilt. tilt. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. I, I, I um, have always used the Harris bipods up until. A uh, little while ago, I've got myself an Atlas. Um, I'm don't. I'm not sold that they're the, they're far better than a, a Harris. I, I I comfortably shoot off a Harris bipod as well. I haven't rushed out and sold on my Harris to buy Atlas ones. Um, but I'm not at all unhappy with the Atlas. I do like the fact it's very easy to change the feet on them. But that's an a, that's an aside. Um, but I I mentioned before that I had that issue on the weekend where I, I just I just couldn't get comfortable on the bag. Um, I, it was a front rest, so a, a small bag on the front rest, and and leaning into it and trying to load it up, I, I couldn't do the gun. It just slip off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same with the recoil, you did slip too far back, and perhaps it's a com- combination of um, not being overly comfortable with it. And yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things. You look at the the sort of the disciplines that use bags. Are often very heavy rifles. Yeah, true. Or you know, in the case of a lot of the thousand-yard sort of competitive rifles that's sort of really popular in the states, it's taking off here too. But they're really heavy guns, um, and so th- they don't have to control the gun at all. Yeah. It basically it's sitting on a on a on a front rest and a and a rear bag. They pretty much it just rides. There's no they don't have to manhandle the rifle at all. Yep. And Bentro shooting, it's you know they're heavy guns, they're not overly huge, but they're they're light very calibers. small calibers, yeah. light projectiles. They're really not having to deal with recoil in any sufficient you know significant way. Sure. Um, you know if you try and and put uh, you know say a three hundred Win Mag in a a ten pound rifle mm-hmm. on a on a bag, <laughs> it's going to jump everywhere. You know about it certainly. Yeah, a lot easier to control on a bipod, but it again, I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. No, I'd agree, Andrew, and, and I think even you could have the best bag in the world. Um, oh, sorry, you could have the best... You know, we've, we've been saying we, we probably personally all prefer bipods, so we could have the best bag in the world, and we probably prefer to shoot on that than a really rubbishy, crappy bipod, uh, and, and, and vice versa. It's it's probably about the quality of the equipment. And it comes down to the application. I mean, a lot of the, the shooting that we got, you know, we do is it's not from a, a formalised range with one firing point. Uh, it, it's... It could be anywhere. It it could be you know if you're in a in a hunting situation, mm. you you have to ma- you know make the decision quickly and you haven't got time to set up all the the gear. So that kind of dictates what we use. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you for that, Toby. And um, I reckon that's about it for this episode. So thanks for coming in, guys. And no worries. Be uh, interested to see what what you come up with, Greg. Absolutely. So will I. Yeah, we'll, no, it'll be good. And, um, yeah, certainly that'll uh, we'll, we'll build on that next show for sure. Yep, and we'll, um, uh, yeah, we'll keep that posted on Facebook and also on the website with the information that Greg comes uh, comes up with. Um, and hopefully we have Dan back next, uh, next episode. Yep. And uh, we'll be able to, uh, yeah, don't know what's on the cards for next episode, but it, it sounds good already. Oh, I think we've got, uh, got a lot of avenues of investigation here oh, with, with, with greg's side of things yeah and that, that will branch off into a to a lot of different areas i think you know little, mm. yeah sub topics that can be discussed yeah, for an hour absolutely. at a time by yeah, themselves there's, so. there's so many variables isn't there and so many uh, different elements to, to, to consider it's all good fun all good fun well guys thanks very much for listening and uh we'll uh tune in next time and we'll keep on keep on chatting guns thanks for listening to the precision shooting podcast 
To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.